We are in Genesis chapter 4 this morning. Genesis chapter 4. This morning, this morning, if Cain and Abel were at our church and they came and brought an offering, which is different than the kinds of offerings that we give these days. If Cain and Abel were at our church, one of their offerings would be accepted and the other would be rejected. They both brought an offering. They both brought it from the thing that they did. One was a shepherd, the other planted. One of their offerings would be accepted. One would be, another word that's used is respected, and one would not. And I wonder if you've ever asked yourself the question, is the offering that I bring to God, because you're not paying for a place to church, to go to church, you're not buying a a ticket to heaven, it's an offering unto the Lord. And I wonder if you've ever asked yourself, is the offering that I bring accepted and acceptable? Or do we just assume that it's acceptable. Cain, I think, thought that in the beginning, but he had a rude awakening. And there's a box here, and I went and got it. We don't emphasize offering a lot. I probably should emphasize it more than what I do, because God will bless you as you give unto him from the first fruits. Give, and it shall be given unto you. It isn't let him give to you, and then you give from it. It's give, and it shall be given unto you. That's a faith act. And, and so we have these boxes, and we did, we've done this ever since COVID. We've got them out here, and it's a holy thing unto the Lord, an offering that's given to him. And I have no idea. I have zero idea who gives and who doesn't give. And I like that. keeps my motive pure in what I preach. I have zero idea of who gives and who doesn't give. But I would say this. Every single one of us should give an offering that is holy unto the Lord. And then, from time to time, it seems like we should ask the question, is the offering that I'm giving to my Lord accepted or rejected? Can you imagine that? Giving something sacrificially even and having it be rejected? We're in Genesis chapter 4 this morning. Chapter 4. Now, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. I want to stop right there because I want to read something to you. We're going to see from the text in Genesis 4 that there is an accepted and a rejected offering. But I wanted to read to you from Isaiah chapter 1. I don't want to forget this. Hear, O heavens, give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken Children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey is master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged." That doesn't mean that they weren't religious or that they didn't call on God. As a matter of fact, we're going to see that they did or that they didn't bring offerings. They did that too. This is what he says in verse 11. 
What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord? I've had enough of your burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or the lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required of you their trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assemblies. Your new moon, your appointed feast, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of, bury, of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my face from you. Even though you make your prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, they shall become like wool. And so we see God's mercy in the midst of him saying, I don't want dead, lifeless offerings. I wanted us to hear that because it wasn't just with Cain that it happened. Chapter 4 in Genesis, verse 1. Now Adam knew his wife. And she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. In Genesis, we, had a, we have a lot of firsts. We have the first man who was created from the dust. We have the first woman who was created from man's side, his rib. We have the first family. They are a family even before they have children. Um, Genesis 2, the very last verse, speaks of the marriage that was there. Let me say, though, that God um, gifts some with singleness. And you might be here, and we've been talking about Adam and Eve, and God gave them to each other. God gifts some with singleness, or for some times. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 says, I wish that all were as I myself am. Paul writing, he was single at this point. But each has his own gift from God, one of one kind, another of another. But now we have a first man, a first woman, a first family. We're going to have a first pregnancy, and then a first child. And then we're going to have the second and then others as well. And I want to remind us that in chapter 4, sin is now in the picture. All right, The curse has been there at uh, the end of chapter 3 as well. Adam and Eve have started on a completely different journey than what they had experienced in the garden when it was just them and God, no sin, no eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There is actually some really strong language used at the end of Genesis chapter 3. Listen to this, verse 23. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man at the east of the Garden of Eden. He placed the cherubim, a flaming sword that turned every which way to guard the way to the tree of life. Very strong, very strong language. We will see in Genesis 4 the first murder. And then we're going to see the second murder at the end of that chapter. The first recorded physical death, which was part of the cost of eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, Spiritual death happened. There was a separation between man and God, and physical death began to happen as well. Eve conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. So she acknowledges where life comes from. It's from the Lord. She acknowledges that it was with the help of the Lord. So they weren't, Adam and Eve weren't godless in their thoughts. They had disobeyed. They 
they, they paid a high price for their disobedience. They were separated from God. Death entered into the picture, and yet they still recognize where things come from. Verse 2, and again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. Verse 3 says this, in the course of time. This seems to indicate, and we don't have an indication of how long that time was, but it seems to indicate that Cain and Abel were already older, not just children now. Um, she didn't just have them, and soon after, because soon after Abel is keeping sheep and, and Cain is working the ground, and so that's not the task of an adolescent. Some years have gone by. They grew. They were responsible. We don't know how many. We can't assume and read into Genesis the things that aren't there. We, we should try and take out what is there. They grew. They're responsible. They had their given skills. We don't know how old they are, but, appear, but it appears that they're at least young men at this point. We don't know that, we do know that it was within the first 130 years of Adam's life. And let me walk you through the why we know that. We know it was within the first 130 years of Adam's life because chapter 5 verse 3 says this. When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. The days of Adam after he fathered Seth were 800 years, so that's 930 total. He had other sons and daughters, and we know from chapter 4, verse 25, that Eve's response to Seth's birth was this, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed Abel. So they had Seth when he was 130, Adam, so Cain would have of killed Abel before that time frame. We don't know how many other children Adam and Eve had or when they had them, though we do know that they had some. But in the course of time, somewhere between getting put out of the garden and 130 years when they had Seth, Cain and Abel are adults now, and there's a murder that happens. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. Pay close attention to the wording. I think it gives us an indication of why one offering was accepted and the other was rejected. The other offering was not received. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for, or he respected, or he gazed at that offering with, with an attention of focus, the idea of good job, Abel. Um, he had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. He did not respect. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. It's one of those things, and maybe you've seen it on people before, that some, something happens, some trauma, some anger, something, and somebody goes from a disposition, a countenance that looks okay, and instantly you can just tell that something's gone wrong. And that's exactly what happened with Cain here. The Lord said in verse 6 to Cain, Why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Let me pause right there. So Abel brought an offering that was regarded, that was accepted. Cain brought an offering that was not regarded, that was not accepted. Isaiah chapter 1 and other portions, if we wanted to read them, speak about offerings and worship and praise and prayer that was brought from Israel to God that he didn't accept. 
And we can find other places in scripture where people pray and bring offerings and praise to God and he does accept it and receive it. And so if that happened way back in the garden and then we fast forward and it happened with Isaiah, might it be, and I don't say this in a scolding way, I say this in a let's search our hearts individually way, might it be that there are times when I make an offering to the Lord that is not accepted. And we don't want to be there, do we? I'm confident that none of us want to be there. So we have to be careful that we don't think or impose something upon God that he isn't thinking or saying. He gets the choice of whether to receive or to not receive the offerings that we make. God has always, in my life and in my family's life, provided everything that we need ours isn't we barely get by he has given us an abundance with the ability to help other people also every ministry that I've ever been a part of this isn't about me it's about God every ministry that I've ever been a part of God God has absolutely always provided everything that's needed and he will continue to do so amen Amen. And, and you might choose to make an offering to the Lord or you might choose not to I don't know that's between you and the Lord God will provide for his church God will provide for those who are seeking him first. The Lord had regard or respect for Abel, his offering, but for Cain, his offering had no regard. So Cain was very angry. His face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Their offering and the regard or the lack of regard thereof, one was of blood, the other was from the fruit of the ground. And what we'll find if we searched out the Old Testament is both were acceptable. There are blood offerings, there are grain offerings as well. Um, One is described as, and I think this is key, one is described as the first fruit, whereas Cain's offering is described as an offering. Not the best, not the first, not that I'm considering God first. We don't have the instruction as to how they learn to make these offerings. God must have given some sort of an instruction or what to offer. But one was acceptable and respected, the other was not. Some have speculated that since Abel's was a blood offering and Jesus ultimately would give his blood, that that's the reason that it was accepted. It's speculation. That's called that's called eisegesis. That's me taking my idea and reading it into the scriptures. What we should do is exegesis. Look at the scriptures and take out what it has to say and be content with that. Um, But some have speculated that. But we find offerings of grain later on in the Old Testament instruction. I think, this is me, I think it's more in the attitude of the offering and the portion of the offering. By portion, I mean Abel's was the firstborn. It was the firstborn of the flock of sheep that he raised. I'm going to give this firstborn to my Lord. God, God has given me life. God has given me the wherewithal to, to, to do what I do. I'm going to offer to him the very first of the firstborn, the first fruit, if you will. Cain's was not described as the first. It was described as an offering. It doesn't indicate that it was the best. It appears to be just some portion of what he had. And you might think, well, isn't that good enough? Well, evidently not to God. Because one was accepted and the other was not. One was regarded, the other was not. One was, one was uh, received and the other was not. Even when his offering was not regarded, Cain's, or respected, it came with instruction. 
for how it could be acceptable. I think we see the mercy and the grace of God in here. If you do well, will you not be accepted? Listen, you brought this offering, and I saw your countenance fall, and you became angry when I accepted your brothers, and I didn't receive yours. But if you do well, you're going to be received as well. So we see a little bit of instruction there. The indication, though, is that Cain didn't um, do well. Um, I hear grace-filled instruction given by God here, but it wasn't received. If you do not do well, he says, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you. That means it wants, it, what it wants for you is not good, but you must rule over it. You must rule over sin. Sin is described here in terms that can be easily understood as crouching at the door. If I walked over to the door and I just kind of hunker down and I wait for somebody to come in and I just jump on them and I get them. That's what sin was doing, um, is what God was telling uh, Cain that sin was doing. Crouching at the door, waiting, if you will, sneaky, deceptive, ready to pounce and dominate. Sin took Cain further than Cain intended to let it take him. And sin always does that. It lies. It's deceptive. It fools us. We think we have the ability to dominate, and yet it took him further than what he wanted. Contrary, even towards you, but in contrast, you must rule over it. And he did not rule over it. And I asked me, and I asked you, what about our offering this morning? What you brought unto the Lord. Unto the Lord, not to church. I understand that we're the, we're the, the place where we give our offering unto the Lord. But what did you bring to the Lord this morning? Was it like Abel's? Was it like Cain's? Do you know if and why it was regarded and received and respected this morning? You've known me for a long time. I don't try and manipulate money. I I resist that. I don't like that. I'm confident, absolutely, that God will provide every need for me individually and my family as well as our church. But it would be a Cain-like mentality to think I don't need to bring an offering of the first fruits of how God has increased me. That would be a Cain-like mentality for you or for me. And I don't know who you are or if there is anybody in here. Um, but that would be a Cain-like mentality. Or just thinking, you know what, I'm just going to sit back and let other people and their offerings kind of carry the task of the ministry of this church. That would be a Cain-like mentality. It would be an offering, perhaps, occasionally, but it wouldn't be from the first fruits. It wouldn't be as unto the Lord as a sacrifice like he desires. After all, no one's going to come knocking on my door, and we're not going to come knocking on your door um, but there is a healthy aspect to a fear of the Lord, and I recognize that he's holy, that he's given me everything that I have, the ability that I have as well, and something that I sacrifice to the Lord. No one else needs to know, to the Lord. Then to, to Cain, God said, sin is crouching at the door, its desire is contrary to you. For believers today, I wanted us to recognize and be reminded there is no temptation taken you but such as is common to man and God is faithful he will not let you be tempted beyond what you're able with the temptation he will always provide a way of escape as well that you may be able to endure it but right before that scripture this is what it says therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall you know what I'm strong enough I've got willpower I'm mature enough I'm gonna be fine I'm gonna fall 
when I recognize my dependence is absolutely, completely upon the Lord, and that's why I should be thankful to him, and that's why I should make an offering to him, that's where I have some strength. Cain did not rule over his sin. You might ask, how do you know? Well, very soon after, he kills his brother. And much later, Jude, the New Testament writer, uses Cain as an example of an individual not to follow. Listen to what Jude wrote about the way of Cain. Woe to them, he says, and the them in Jude are the unredeemed, listen to this, the unredeemed that mix with the people of God. They have God talk. They quote their verses, they do their prayers, they make their offerings. Woe to them, he says, for they walk in the way of Cain and abandon themselves for the sake of the gain of Balaam's error and perish with Korah's rebellion. They were, and Cain was, religious. He made an offering to the Lord. In a little while, he's going to say, God, what you're doing to me is too strong. You're, you're saying, I can't see your face anymore. So he had a God consciousness about him. But it was religious. He made an offering. He had hidden motives, but not hidden from God. And we can have hidden motives as well, but not hidden from God. Verse 8 says this, Cain spoke to Abel, his brother. We have no idea what conversation happened between Cain and Abel. We know when it happened. One had brought an offering that was accepted. The other brought an offering that was rejected. God gave him instructions. Don't be angry. If you do well, you'll be fine. And then he talks with his brother. And the very next thing that happens is he kills his brother. I'm guessing the conversation was about the offering that they had and the instruction that God had given them, though that's speculation. I want to I admit that. We don't know. We don't know exactly what it was. Cain being instructed by God but didn't receive the instruction. Uh, maybe even obviously Abel's conversation rubbed uh, Cain the wrong way. And when they were in the field, Scripture says, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. So we have another first in Genesis. First we had the man, then we had the woman, we got the family, we had the first baby, then the second, and now we have the first murder. The first physical death is recorded after the fall and the curse from Genesis chapter 3. Not murdering <clears throat> would later find its way in the Ten Commandments. Maybe that's in round with this murder and the murder of Lamech, which we're going to find at the end of Genesis chapter 4 as well. I don't know, but we find that it's in the Ten Commandments. We don't know if Cain thought, I wonder if I can get away with this. I wonder if I can hide my brother from God and he won't know. We don't know. We don't know if Cain was aware that God is omniscient, that he knows all things. Maybe it was just sin that was crouching, ready to jump on him, and his anger that ruled over him, and it was to, to Cain's demise. But Cain killed his brother, and now Cain has a meeting with God. But before we get to that, I wanted to talk about Abel just for a second. Here is Abel, a genuine worshiper of God, came from mom and dad who had sinned. He understands that. Um, had a brother who sinned. He understood that. But he's working. He's bringing the first fruits of his crop to the Lord. What did Abel do wrong? We don't have anything indicated that he did wrong. And yet here it cost him his life, living for the Lord. It cost him his life. And I want us to be reminded that in a sin-infected world, sometimes, oftentimes, bad things happen to good people. And that's what happened to Abel. But that's not the end of the story. There's a resurrection. 
There's going to be a resurrection when Abel worships his Lord. There's going to be a time when he eats from the tree of life. And we have to look at the whole story, not just the 10 years or the 20 years or the 70 years that God gives me here. We have to consider the whole life, the whole story. Verse 9 says, Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Well, that's a lie. And am I my brother's keeper? Well, that's blame shifting. Just like mom and dad had taught him, they did that well in the garden as well. And the Lord said, what have you done? Wouldn't those be penetrating words? Jerry, what have you done? Put your name in there. What have you done? Can you hear the weight of this is God. What have you done? God asks some penetrating questions, doesn't he? Simple. Very simple questions, but very pointed and very penetrating. To Adam, he asked, where are you? He knew where Adam was, but he said, where are you? Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? To Eve, he said, what is this that you have done? Almost the same words that he used for Cain, her son. To Cain, he said, what have you done? And the thing about when God asks a question, you can't wiggle your way out of it. You ever tried to manipulate your way out of a conversation? Are you good at it? We get pretty good at it, but you can't wiggle your way out of it with God. You can't talk your way around it. You can't distract his focus. And it's the same for you and I today as it was for Cain back then. Even Elijah, God's prophet, Learn something about God's simple yet profound questions. Jezebel had purposed to kill him for what he had done to the, her false prophets. He ran. He told God, I'm just ready to die. It's over. I'm ready to die. And it says in 1 Kings 19, he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, listen to this. What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? You're my prophet. I'm God. I'm in control. But all he asked was, what are you doing here? He gave an excuse, and then he went to the entrance of the cave where God did some incredible things, and God didn't speak through this, and he didn't speak speak through that. But in a still, small voice, this is what came again. What are you doing here, Elijah? You can't wiggle your way out of a conversation with God. I'm pretty good if I don't want to address a topic that I can bring up something that seems a little more important and critical, and you start talking about that. Maybe I'm not supposed to tell you that. And you, and you talk about that. And then the next thing you know, what we were going to talk about isn't even on the table. But you know what? You're good at it also. And so are our children. We don't even have to teach them how to do that stuff. And they're good at it. God asks penetrating, simple questions. Jerry, you fill in your name. What are you doing here? What are you doing here again? If God asks you, what are you doing What are you doing here? Don't turn up the music so you don't have to listen to him. Don't start scrolling through YouTube videos so your mind doesn't have to pay attention. Don't blame shift or or work harder or ignore him. Listen 
and receive the instruction that he has. He's a loving heavenly father, and he wants to help us become more Christ-like. Can it be confrontational? Yes, it can, and it can hurt sometimes, but he cares for you, and he cared for Cain. He gave Cain instruction on how to bring an offering and that it could be received well, but Cain chose not to listen. To To Cain, God said, the voice of your brother is crying to me from the ground. My ears, Cain, are so fine-tuned that I can hear Abel's blood crying out from the ground that soaked it up. And now you are cursed from the ground. Sin sure seems to bring a lot of curse with it, doesn't it? It did for Adam. It did for Eve. Now it's bringing, and it did for, it did for the, the serpent as well. And now it's bringing it to Cain also. Don't fool, don't fool yourself and think just because I'm in Christ that sin doesn't cost me anymore. Don't do that sleight of hand with yourself. Sin is extremely significant before the Lord and he will deal with it. What are you doing here, Jerry? Now you're cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. That's how he made his living. It shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Verse 13, Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. I am so sorry. And he was. I'm sure he was. But it was a little late for the sorrow. He probably was, but he hadn't heeded the instruction of the Lord. God told him, listen, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you. You have to rule over it. And it was crouching, and it did jump, and he didn't. And now he finds himself here. Cain had already spent the second chance God had given him. But let me be quick to say that God didn't owe him a second chance. That was mercy. That was grace. And he, and he stiff-armed that as well. My punishment, he says, is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, so no longer is the ground going to cooperate and give me my livelihood, and from your face I shall be hidden. So not only is he being sent out, but you're being sent out and away, and I don't even want to see you anymore. And he said, it's greater than I can bear. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Whoever finds me will kill me. Now it's a big deal. When he got mad because his offering wasn't received and he's out in the field with his brother after a conversation, it was no big deal. He rose up and he killed his brother. But now it's a big deal because it's about him. It's about his life. Then the Lord said to him, not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. The Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain is accountable for his actions, and he's cursed because of them. You might think, Cain. I wonder if that's where the Canaanites came from because of the similarity of the word. Well, the answer would be no. And the reason we know that is because in chapter 6, God's going to destroy the world except for Noah and his family. And Canaan was uh, Noah's grandson. That would be where the Canaanites come from. thought that might be of interest to you. Cain was accountable for his action. Every action, actions. Everyone in this place within hearing distance, whether here or online or wherever it is that somebody's listening from, every one of us is accountable for our actions also to God. 
Hebrews chapter 4 says this, No creature is hidden from his sight. God knew what had happened between Cain and Abel, and he knew that the blood had been sopped up into the ground. He wasn't, he wasn't out, of, uh, out of eyesight for that. No creature is hidden from his sight. All are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Jerry, accounting day. Before your maker, before God. Put your name in there. Accounting day. Before your maker, before God. Just like Cain couldn't hide his brother's murder, there isn't anything that any one of us can do that God isn't aware of. We don't have to confess it and let him know that it's there. He already knows that it's there. Should we agree with him? Yes, we should agree with him. Even then, while we were yet enemies, Romans chapter 5 says this, he sent Christ to die for us. That's how much his love is for us. Jesus, it says in Hebrews chapter 4, the following verse, is our great high priest. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. We don't have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weakness, one who's in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. You know what Jesus did? Because of our sin, like Cain's, like Adam's, he became the curse for us. So there is accountability. And Jesus became the accountability for all those who would call upon his name, live, repent of their sin, live for him by the goodness and the grace of God. He became that curse for us. Galatians 3 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Jesus is the only reason, listen to this, listen to this. It isn't how much money you put in here. It isn't that you do it every week. Jesus is the only reason that anything that you would offer to God is acceptable because of his blood. It doesn't matter if it's sheep, doesn't matter if it's grain, it doesn't matter if it's a check because that's how you gain money. Anything that we offer, it isn't acceptable because I'm consistent in it. It's acceptable because of Jesus Christ, my great high priest, who makes me acceptable before my Holy Father and you as well. Amen? If you have not received Jesus and the forgiveness he offers, repented, seen genuine evidence of newness of spiritual life, today is the day to cry out to God. Don't resist. Don't wait for a, an invitation at the end of a church service. Cry out to the Lord today. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Verse 17, and we're just going to walk through this kind of quickly. Verse 17 says, Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch, when he built a city, he called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. To Enoch was born, and I want to count these generations. So we have Adam, and then we have Cain, and then we have Enoch. Verse 18, to Enoch was born Irad. To Irad fathered Mahujael, and Mahujael fathered Methusael. Methusael fathered Lamech. Seven, seven generations from Adam to Lamech. And Lamech had two eyes. Excuse me, two eyes. He had two eyes also. He had, <laughs> he had, I'm just going to take a drink of water. <laughs> he had two eyes, two ears. Lamech had two wives. It took just seven generations from Adam down to Lamech for mankind to get that one man one woman, leave your father and mother from Genesis 2 to get it wrong. 
And then you fast forward to 2023 and look at where we are. When we ignore God's word, it just goes berserk. And is there pressure from the outside to make us conform to the image of the world? Absolutely there is. But we're not told to be conformed to the image of the world. We're told to allow the spirit of God to use the living word of God to conform us to the image of Christ. And that's why we preach and teach and try and live one man for one woman um, for marriage. Morality doesn't change because God's teaching becomes unpopular or because nations and lawmakers make different laws about who can marry whom, or because actors and artists and anybody else with a microphone use their platform trying to redefine it, or because, unfortunately, some preachers and some churches crumble to societal pressures, mankind and all of mankind misses the mark of God every time we walk away from God's word. Lamech took two wives, verse 19. The name of the one was Adah, the name of the other Zillah, Adab or Jabel, he was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. How about that one, Jabel, Jubal? His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all those who play the lyre and pipe. So there was already musical instruments in the process. This is seven generations from Adam, counting Adam. Zillah also bore Tubal Cain. He was the forger of all instruments of bronze and iron. So all the way back then, just from creation to seven generations, they already had forged instruments of bronze and iron. The sister of Tubal Cain was Naamah. Lamech said to his wife, here we go again, Adah and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Listen to what I say. I have killed a man, for he wounded me, a young man, for striking me. Evidently, there had been some sort of a fight. Who knows the why behind it? We're not given that. But he rose up, and he killed this young, excuse me, this young man. And verse 24 says, if Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is 77-fold. And we have the second murder in Scripture. We think murder is horrible. And don't get me wrong. Murdering the life of someone made in the image of God is a horrible thing. But can I remind us that Moses took somebody's life and was forgiven? And David took somebody's life and was forgiven? Don't think or don't hear that I'm downplaying murder. Thou shalt not murder. It's a, it's a huge thing. But here's this. But hear this. When God gives instruction, hear it with ears to hear. Thou shalt not murder means thou shalt not murder along with all of the other commandments as well. Like he gave Cain, if you do well, you'll be accepted, but beware, of, beware because sin is crouching at the door and seeks to control you. So what can we learn or take away from Cain's story from Genesis chapter 4? And let me just be real simple here. What is God's message potentially for me or for you today? The first one would be this. Believe, repent, and believe. If you haven't believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And if it is this, I believe, and it has nothing to do with changing my heart and my life and my offering like it did for Cain and those kinds of things, maybe it's kind of a belief that is like the demon belief over in, in James chapter 2, verse 19. Believe and repent. Those who believe on the name of the Lord, we say, be transformed for those who believe by the word of God. Romans 12, 1 and 2, let the word of God transform our thoughts and our minds and our hearts. And then if I, will, if I could, the last would be position yourself 
in a position where you can follow Jesus in whatever it is that he wants you to do. Recognizing that sin is at the door, it's crouching, it wants to jump, it wants to destroy. We have an enemy because we side ourselves with God. He is against us. Position yourself for the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God and then stand strong in the Lord. And if something happens to you like it did to Abel, so be it, to God be the glory. It's not the end of the picture. There is a resurrection. There's a day when we're going to eat from the tree of life and it's not about these 60 70 80 or 30 years that we get here on earth so maybe we can learn a lesson from Cain there's a couple more verses but I want to deal with those next week when we tackle chapter 5 Lord willing let's pray together Heavenly Father we thank you that you have given us truth and the story we honestly don't find truth completely anywhere else it's always mingled and mixed with error even in the news stations that we seek to listen to but we have a confidence that your word is truth. Um, we recognize the power that you have through the things that you've done all the way through your word. And we um, thank you that you invite us and allow us to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, may we do that with a passion. May we believe, and I pray for those that are here who have never believed or have a confusing belief, that you would clarify in their hearts and in their minds. And that there would be a positioning of, I believe Jesus died for me. And then allow, allow your word and your spirit to just transform our mind. And then, Lord, may we just position ourselves to follow you standing firm in the Lord. And we thank you for your word and thank you that you instruct us. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.